This is where going to be. It is Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. As we put a bow on Eagles 2021, the Buccaneers made sure that was quick on uh, on Sunday. But um, here we are. I mean, you're talking about a team right now that, uh, you know, 9-9, nine and nine basically. Yeah, I know, you know. Technically, I guess it's nine eight regular season, but nine and nine when you figure the playoffs. It's the third straight year where you have basically it under you know a or third straight playoff appearance where it was under ten wins um, in the regular season. So, yeah, I think there's some legit questions to be had, and when you talk legit questions and want good answers, uh, you always turn to Ray Didinger, and Ray will join us. Uh, Coming up in a few minutes to discuss where this franchise goes from here on a Wednesday afternoon. It sounds like that the Eagles are going to go with, um, at least if you believe Howie Roseman, which is always a 50-50 proposition at this time of year. But Jalen Hurts, they sound like they want to make the quarterback again next year. Uh, if that's the case, then you know, then the Eagles have... Um, the Eagles have some draft capital to go look defense and, and get some stuff done. But that's uh, <clears throat> that's kind of where we are with this team right now. So Rails come on with Mike and I and we'll break it all down and we'll look ahead and look back and kind of put a state of where they are. And I think the state of where they are is, yes, they were a playoff, but they're not much better than a lot of other teams who didn't make the playoffs at this point. So that's something that can... Uh, be debated and discussed. So Ray will join us in a few minutes next week. Uh, back again to one show. I apologize for last week. We just got caught up with some work stuff. Um, hopefully now that the first semester is over, we can uh, get back on our regular once a week schedule. Got some good guests lined up. Dana O'Neill has agreed to join us in the next couple of weeks. Ruben Amaro Jr. is going to join us as we debate whether baseball will start on time. Um, so we, we got a couple lined up already. <clears throat> to go so uh i want to mention a couple things here before we go um uh, to ray and everything and talk about some stuff one a hat tip to sam carcitti uh the flyers beat writer at the inquire for years uh who has uh taken the buyout and joe giuliano obviously took the buyout as well so uh want to uh express my good wishes to those lads uh, as they move forward um and uh you know obviously it was fun to be around both of them for years and years and years. So that's part one. And part two, uh, if you get a shot, get Mike Zilski's book. I, I, I picked it up last week. I'm about halfway through it. It is an excellent read. It's called The Rise uh, about Kobe Bryant and Kobe Bryant's young years. So uh, do yourself a favor. Pick one up. It's really, really good. And when we come back, it'll be Ray Didinger. We'll be talking Eagles 2021. As 22 now looks, uh, we look ahead to 22. That's next. Work of the Beat continues right after this. season in philadelphia at least is coming to an end there's still about three more weeks left before the rest of america joins the uh, postseason party and looking ahead to 2022 so kind of to review what happened in tampa and what happened this season maybe to dissect a little bit of whatever howie roseman said today and obviously there was one bit of news out of it is the hall of famer formerly of the philadelphia daily news now of nbc sports philadelphia and formerly of NFL Films, I should point out. It's Ray Didinger. Ray, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're good. Michael, how are you? Uh, just living the dream, Kevin. I, I could tell. <laughs> I could tell. 
Um, all right, right. Let, let's start with the news of the day. Howie Roseman comes out and says Jalen Hurts is his quarterback. Do you believe him? Um, not entirely. <laughs> I mean, let's see how the quarterback landscape uh, shakes out over the next few months. Um, you know, I think they're still in play for um, making a deal. Uh, I don't know about drafting. I don't know about drafting, using any of these picks to draft a quarterback. Because, frankly, I mean, I don't know how they feel about it. I don't think there's a, a stud quarterback in this whole class. I really don't. Um, I mean, if Joe Burrow was there, you know, if uh, I would have thought about packaging my three picks to go up to number one to get him. Um, but short of that, uh, I don't think that this is a – I don't think it's a particularly good quarterback crop. So then it's a matter of, are you, okay, you're going to trade for a veteran. And, um, you know, I think they're probably exploring that. But – what I think Howie said today uh, is more likely the outcome of this, which is, you know, come next September, I I think Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy. I really do. When you say trait, look for a veteran. Obviously, Russell Wilson's name is going to get mentioned first and foremost. They, they You assume they have no shot at Aaron Rodgers if Rodgers leaves Green Bay. Is Deshaun Watson, is it Deshaun Watson and Wilson pretty much at this point? Or and nobody or nobody else or can we throw a dark car in there for example? Uh, I you know there's um I don't exactly know where the Raiders are going right now. I mean they're they're in a total state of flux. Uh, they, they don't have a coach. They don't have a general manager right now. Uh, so I don't know where Derek Carr fits. Um, Derek Carr's a good player. Uh, I mean I, he he would interest me. Uh, I don't know what the price would be, but I'd be interested in him. Um, but. You know, I know that it seems like 98% of the conversation now really is directed towards Russell Wilson um, because I think Seattle is kind of beginning a rebuild uh, and they might be ready to move on. And um, if you offered them three first-round picks, they would probably take it. I would. Um, but I'm not as high on that trade as a lot of people are. I mean, it seems like if they're talking about three first-round picks for Russell Wilson at this point, I think it's way too much. Um, you know, people have – and I was having a discussion with some of these guys at WIP today. I said, I think people kind of have a memory of what Russell Wilson was a few years ago. Um, I don't think he's that player anymore. I mean, the last few years, uh, he's taken a beating. I mean, that offensive line there has not been very good. Mm -hmm. uh, he's taken uh, he, he's taken a lot of hits, and I think it's taken a toll on him. So if it were up to me, uh, I would probably ride with Jalen Hurts for one more year. Uh, and see, I mean, we saw him improve certainly this year. Give him another year. Give him a, a full off season and another full season to see what he can develop into, and then use all those draft picks that you have right now to rebuild the defense. Um, and maybe at the end of next year, kind of assess where you are because they're not going to win a Super Bowl next year. No. Um, but build the defense, you know, which needs to be rebuilt, and give Jalen Hurts another year to see what he can do. I mean. He took you from four wins to nine wins this year. Uh, if he continues on that track and continues to improve, you may have your quarterback right now. Is Watson a no-go for you at all? Before I get the mic. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I mean, there's no – we have no sense of, of when he's going to play, you know. Um, I mean, the, the league just can't let him come walking back in and pick up a ball and start playing quarterback. I mean, there's going to have to be some sort of punishment. And uh, – I mean, is it going to be four games? Is it going to be six games? Is it going to be a season? You know, how do you give up multiple draft picks to pay the price you're going to have to pay to get him when you don't know when you're going to get him on the field? Um, look, I, I really like him as a player, but, you know, with, until there's some until there's some clarity into his situation and, you know, when you might actually be able to play him, I would – I you know, I would be very, very reluctant to go there. So I think it's, I think it's really a Russell Wilson question. You know, if you, I think he's gettable uh, if you, if you're willing to put enough chips on the table, but I'm not so sure at this point, you know, making that kind of a, paying that kind of a price for a 33, soon to be 34 year old quarterback is worth it. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, and, and both those guys, whether you're talking Watson or, or Wilson, they have to want to come here, right? Right. Cause they have no trade clauses. So, and I don't know why they won't want to come here, but they might not want to. Yeah, that's 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 part of it, and nobody really talks about that. Um, you know, Wilson, through his agent, has now put out not one but two lists of places where, okay, you know, if you want to move me, I'll go here. 
Uh, he's done two lists, and Philadelphia wasn't on either one of them. Um, the people around the league that I talk to um, think that there's a fair chance that he'll be moved, uh, but no one thinks it's going to be here. Um, the, 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 the team that seems to be – and this is all – everybody's just guessing, but I hear an awful lot about New York. I hear, uh, I hear a lot of people saying that if they were to pick where he's going to be, if he moves – um, they could see him going to New York and playing for the Giants. They got a quarterback. <laughs> They're not so sure. Well, yeah. and also Great. we should also point out the Giants have that, two. That quarterback got the last general manager fired. Yeah, yeah. The, the the Giants also have two top ten picks. Correct. I think it's six mm-hmm. and eight. Yeah, because they yeah. get the Bears pick. Sorry about that, Mike. Yeah, that's all right. No, no. Yeah, right. To me, the biggest thing about, and I love Jalen Hurts. I loved him in college. But I do think there's a reason why he was drafted where he was drafted and probably drafted higher than he probably should have been and why, you know, an Alabama quarterback wasn't – but whatever. The thing about him is I think you can work with him and I think he's the kind of guy that will try to improve. But there are things about his arm. You notice you've covered this league for five decades. You've got to be able to make certain throws as a quarterback and you look at the quarterbacks that we're talking about, they can make those throws. I just don't know if Jalen's ever going to have the arm – uh, or the ability to throw people, or however you want to look at it, the progression. What do you think? Do you think, like, if we're sitting here four or five years from now, we'll be talking about Jalen Hurts and not maybe a top five quarterback because there's only so many of them, but like a like a like a Dak Prescott type quarterback. Let's put it that way. Uh, I think that's a I think that's a pretty fair comparison when you consider what Dak was coming out of college and where Jalen is now. Um, Dak had a stronger arm. Uh, and, and and work to develop his accuracy. Uh, that was one thing you saw in college. I mean, he, from the first time I saw him in college to through his senior year, there was a dramatic improvement in his accuracy throwing the ball. I mean, it's obvious he worked and worked and worked at it. So you can do that, and I, I think that Hertz could improve his accuracy. Um, will he ever have... Um, you know, a, a, what you would consider a strong arm by NFL standards? Probably not. Uh, and, you know, will he be able to make all the throws that a Justin Herbert can make or Joe Barrow can make? Probably not. Uh, but we've seen other quarterbacks have success in the NFL without having Elway-type arms. Um, you just have to be real accurate, and you can make up for it with timing and anticipation. You know, one of the, one of the things that uh, – and we saw this numerous times this year with Hertz. Is people say, well, he underthrows, he underthrows deep balls. You know, when he throws it deep down the field, guys have to stop. Well, that's it's partly a strength issue, but it's partly a timing issue. You know, if he's got to be able to see that and get let the ball go quicker. You know, that sometimes he holds it, holds it, and then he tries to throw the deep ball, and that's when he underthrows it. If he gets rid, if he makes his decision, if he's a little more decisive and he gets rid of the ball sooner, then he doesn't quite have to throw it so far. He can just lay it out there and let the receiver go and get it. So it's it's partly an arm strength thing, but it's also partly a, a, it's partly a field vision and timing thing. Uh, and that's one of the things. If, for example, the, the, the really bad interception that he threw right before halftime down in Tampa, where he's running to his left. He throws the ball pretty well running to his right. In fact, he's made a couple of throws uh, in games in the second half of the year where he was, where he was a straight sprint out to the right, and he threw a pass that was really a, a tough throw, and he made it. He can make that throw. Running to the left is a much different proposition for a right-handed quarterback. Uh, and you saw, in this case, he has Smith open for a moment. The cornerback falls. Smith gets behind him. He's there. If the ball comes out right at that time, it's probably a touchdown. Um, at the point where he decides he's okay, I see it now. I'm going to let it go. He doesn't have the arm to get it there through the. He, there's the ball. He doesn't throw it hard enough to keep the safety to beat the safety to the point. Um, Herbert could. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so there are certain guys that have a strong enough arm that can make that throw. They can jam that throw in there. Um, he can't. You know that to make that throw to get that touchdown. What he's got to do is he's got to let the ball go sooner. He's got to let the ball go as soon as Smith clears. At the point where he sees him and Smith's turning in the end zone, he doesn't have enough arm to throw it through the safety to the receiver. 
some guys have that arm, but but uh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts in one of them. Well, hey, one of the things, wait a minute, Kevin. Yeah. One of the things I read, I think, after the game was that obviously Todd Bowles did a great job of, you know, okay, we know they're going to try to do this. We're really going to sell out and all this. One of the things they tried to do was kind of force him to go left, yes. not allow him to go right. And I, we saw that with Michael Vick at some point. I remember that Giants game one, I think it was a Monday night game, where they just forced him right all the time. And Michael's not the same court. Do you think at some point teams too around the league, because they're not stupid, are going to figure the Eagles out a little bit if they try to play, you know, the way they played and say, hey, if this guy goes to his right, he can beat us. If he goes to his left, he can't. Is, or, you know, they watch film. Is that a problem, too, going forward? Sure, sure. I mean, Bowles put together a really, really good game plan here. Um, he stacked the box at the line of scrimmage. He had eight men up, uh, filled every gap. Uh, and he basically said, okay, you're the number one running team. See if you can run against this. Uh, and they shut down the Eagles' run. And basically, then it became, can Jalen Hurts beat us? He couldn't. And in addition to the stack in the box, um, Todd was really good about bringing pressure off the off his left side, which forced there there was no sprint out there. If Hertz couldn't run that way, if he was going to try and get out of the pocket, he was going to have to try and get out of the pocket going left. And no accident. I mean, Bowles planned it that way, knowing that he doesn't throw well to his left. So. It was great coaching by Bowles, and it's no, no great surprise. I mean, he's he's not a great head coach, but he's he's a very good defensive coordinator, yeah. and he came up he came up with a really really good game plan here that totally neutralized the Eagles' running game, uh, and basically put the game in the hands of the of the young quarterback. And uh, you know, and that it was uh, you know, and, and Jalen had a really rough day. I mean, he had a rough day trying to figure out what was going on, and uh, he. You know, the, the thing that they always say, people don't – people think it's just an expression, but the game the game moves faster in the postseason. It just does. Uh, and you could see you could see that things were moving really fast for him uh, and it had to speed up everything, including his decision-making. And some of his decision-making wasn't very good. But that's all part of the growth process of a young quarterback. I mean, you see some young quarterbacks this weekend – had really rough times. I mean, Kyler Murray had a brutal game. You know, Mac Jones had a really rough game. Uh, it's a it's a different game, and uh, that's one of the reasons it makes Tom Brady a great guy. I mean, he's seen it all at this point. There's not much you can show him that he hasn't seen before, and you saw what he did on Sunday. I mean, he he made that he made that playoff game look like it was a seven on seven on a Wednesday practice. Ray Dinger joins us. It's funny, Ray. You mentioned that that pass to Smith that got picked off right before the half. That looked like to me like a pitcher who thinks he had ninety five in the gun, but really had about eighty seven. And a hitter kind of told you that you don't have the gun anymore. That's kind of what it, it, it looked like to me. Where do you judge their season? And I get it that look, you make the playoffs, but now forty percent of the conference makes the playoffs. I mean, with with, with seven teams out of sixteen. Um, in reality, they're a 500 team. They're nine and nine. Um, you know, the last three times they've made the playoffs have been on nine wins. Um, I, 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 you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, you made the playoffs four out of five years and all that, and that's all well and good. But I also think there's a bit of a, uh, it's also a little bit of a false comparison because it feels like they're tapped out at nine wins. And I'm not sure if that's fair or not on my part, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. No, I think that's I, I think that's exactly right. That's why I said this on the post game show. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts when he came out to meet the press um, said at one point, "Well, this game doesn't define us." Yeah, but, but well, yeah, it does. Yeah, it, it does. It does define you. What it does is it it, it says that, that that's the difference between you and the good teams in this league. You know, I mean, if, if all you're talking about is being 500, okay, good. That's where you are. But if the idea is to play with the big guys and maybe make a run at a championship, you saw over and over this year, every time they played the good teams, they were thoroughly outclassed. And that's the reality that they're facing right now. Now, you got to give them points for going from a four-win team to a nine-win team in one year. That's not easy to do. Um, but to go from – 
I mean, what you saw Sunday is a very clear representation of where they are in relation to the rest of the league. I mean, they're better than Houston, and they're better than Jacksonville, and they're better than the Giants and the Jets. I mean, they're better than them. But that's not where you want to set the bar. I mean, you want to be competing to get into the tournament and have a chance to really do something. And right now you saw Sunday was – I mean, it couldn't be any more clear. I mean, they were thoroughly – they were thoroughly out of their weight class in that game. And that's, you know, that's okay. Now this is where the, this is where the front office takes over over these mm-hmm. next six months. This is where the general manager and the scouts and the personnel guys, this is where they make their money it is just seeing, okay. Okay. Here it is. I mean, this is, these are all the areas where we have to get better to play with these guys. Let's go out and beat the bushes and find some players that can close that gap for us. And the difference even from them as a seven seed to the, to the 49ers who are a six is pretty clear, too. I mean, that that's the thing. It's it's almost like you have to, to change where you are because you could get a false sense of complacency. And I, I didn't hear all of Howie today, but I, I do worry about that. I do worry that this front office will look at four playoff appearances in five years and say, look, we must be doing something right, and mm-hmm. that's where you get in trouble. Uh, but that's me. Do they go deep? No, no, I think, you know, I think you're right, and that's why, you know, I I kind of I saw, I kind of knew what Hertz was trying to say on Sunday. Right. You know, what, what, he's, what he was trying to say was, in essence, you know, we're, be- you know we're, we're better than what we showed today. Well, maybe you are, because um, that was that was pretty poor performance, but don't overlook the reality of it. it. No, this game really pointed out all the areas in which you guys are short and, and all the areas in which you're so inferior to the world champs. No disgrace there. I mean, they are the world champs and they have the greatest quarterback ever played. Um, but, you know, I don't I, – I think what you said, Kevin, is true. And sometimes I wonder if they do have that. You know, listen, look at our record. You know, how many teams have been to the playoffs more often than we have? Uh, you know, if they start thinking in those terms, then I think that's dangerous. What they have to do is take a game like Sunday and use that as a, you know, as a teachable moment. As just saying, okay, we made the playoffs, but we are the seventh seed, and boy, did we get outclassed in that game. If we really want to win a championship, we got a lot of work to do. Okay, Mike. Right. Two questions for you, and I'm listening to this here, and, and that that press conference today is horrible. I realize they have to do it; it's a necessary evil. But they hear some of the things coming out of their mouth about Jalen Rager and Ortega, Ortega Wayside, but whatever. They, they clearly said that we have one of the better wide receivers in the NFL, in Devontae. How, given the way Tampa was playing defense, can you target him once in the first half? When you know, And how come, even when they were beating bad teams, why all the slow starts? Like every game, they were even to Washington – uh, they were oh, uh, two giant games. Yeah, I mean, so two questions: Why one target to your best weapon in a first half where they basically were giving you, as Aikman pointed out several times, they were kind of giving you that, and why the slow starts? Um, I don't know that I can. I don't know that I have a really good answer for either one. I mean, I I, I thought the same thing watching the game on Sunday. Uh, to me, that's why. I think I think it was a horribly coached game. It really was. Mm-hmm. Now the players players didn't do didn't exactly cover themselves with glory either. But I thought the coaches came up really small in this game, um, and the, the play calling on Nick's part was pretty poor. I mean, you knew coming into this game that um, Todd Bowles has always been, and I'm sure always will be, a cover three coach. That's what he plays. I mean, everywhere he's been, well, that's what he played when he was a player in Washington. Uh, and that's what he knows. And that's what he coaches. And cover three, there are certain things that it takes away. It takes away the deep ball and all that kind of stuff. But when you have your corners dropping out uh, to play that back line with the, with the safety and you're bringing the safety down as a robber and you got the linebackers and the nickelbacker having to buzz to the outside when the ball snapped, it creates a, it creates basically a vacuum on the sidelines, uh, and it's there all the time. And you saw it in this game. So if you have a wide receiver who runs good comeback routes that can go out and come back to the ball, which Devontae Smith runs that like a veteran right now, 
that that play is there every play. I mean, every time you snap the ball, it's there. I mean, that's seven, eight, ten yards. That it's easy. It's it's like stealing. And the fact that they didn't go there until the first half was almost over and they were down 17 points to, to me was criminal. And you know, Seth Joyner and I were were hollering at the TV set long before Troy Aikman started pointing it out. Now Troy started. Troy finally began pointing it out, but I mean, we saw it right away because my feeling was going into this game, knowing that Todd was going to play that way and knowing that Devontae Smith runs that pattern extremely well, I'm thinking, man, they're just going to hammer that spot. I mean, I thought Devontae Smith would have eight, eight targets in the first half. And the fact that they never went there um, was mind boggling to me. I mean, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm putting the finger at Nick, but, you know, I got, you know, Shane Strachan has got to take some of the blame too. And, you know, you have all these coaches up in the booth that have the overhead look at it. Um, they're right. seeing this, but we're seeing on TV. I saw it. And so, the whole, I mean, I, I thought that the play calling was so, um, I use the term myopic. I mean, just the first half, all they did was throw the ball to Goddard. Goddard, 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 Goddard. Um, and then in halftime, I guess they looked around and realized, oh, geez, we never threw the ball to Smith. So they came out in the second half and they threw Smith, 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 Smith. So, I mean, really? With that kind of play call, you're going to beat the world champs? I don't think so. You know, so I just thought it was, I just thought it was a very, very poorly coached game there. When stuff was, when, when there was stuff to, that to me was that obvious that you managed to overlook it for as long as you did until basically you were out of the game was really was, you know, I, I thought if you're the coaching staff there, when you're looking at this later, if you're looking at the tape, you're kicking yourself because that was just, that was just so obvious. I mean, everybody saw it. Uh, and as far as the slow starts, I don't know. I mean, again, I think that's a coaching issue. Uh, I mean, it was seven straight weeks that they, that they, that they got outscored in the first quarter. Uh, most of those weeks without without scoring a point, this was the this was the the worst of it. I mean, the first quarter they had 17 total yards. Um, I, I think part of it, uh, not all of it, but part of it is, it seems to me that they start every game that I don't know where it comes from, whether it's the coaches or what, but it's like there's a okay, first quarter we got to get the ball to Jalen Rager, you know, we got to get him in the game. Whether we jet sweep, whether it's a, whether it's a uh, you know uh, a smoke screen, um, a little dump off pass, or like we got in the first half, we got to get the ball to Jalen Rager. We got to get him in the game, and it's it never works. You know the the jet sweeps lose yardage, the passes you try to you know the the widers the smoke screens get you a yard maybe or two, uh, and if you try to throw him a ball down the field, he's going to drop it. So all those attempts in the first quarter to to basically force feed Rager into your offense are all drive killers, you know, and then finally, as the game goes on the second quarter, third quarter, they, be, they kind of move away from that. And that's when they start to move the ball. But I think, you know, the, this, this, what to me was a very conscious effort in the play calling that, no, we got to, we got to work Rager in early has worked to the, as has contributed to the fact that they start slow. You know, he drops, he, he drops one ball and all of a sudden, you know, it's third, it's fourth down and you're punting. He can't be back, can he? Rager? What's that? He can't be back, can he? Oh, sure. You don't you don't see a way that they could move him or just cut um, him, cut their losses? No, I well, I would. I know uh, you would. I, I, <laughs> I heard I would. you go on Saturday talk about they it. They ain't cutting him. No. Hey, Kevin, he, he was a first round draft. I know. Okay, okay but there's also, there's also times where you have to admit the mistake. They just said on the on the press conference today, yeah, he's our third receiver. He's going to get really good. Of course, they had Quez Watkins being their second receiver. I didn't understand that, but sorry. I don't understand. A lot sorry, right? Go ahead. <laughs> no, I think that um, um, if if you, if you ask me, yeah, I think he will be back. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think Howie's ready to bite that bullet yet. Nope. Um, and um, I don't think he would. I don't think he should be. You know, uh, I. I don't know if, if it was with you guys before talking about it. Uh, I I never understood the Rager pick when they made it. Uh, I mean, I saw him play at TCU. Uh, in my run-up to that draft, I had him as a fourth-round pick. 
Uh, and somebody said to me, like a couple of weeks before the draft, they said, the Eagles really like Rager. And I said, oh, come, you know, no, you're kidding. <laughs> I said, no. We, 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 they like him. Like what? The, the, like the third day? No, they, they might take him in the first round. I said, no. No, no. no. <laughs> Nobody's taking Jalen Rager in the first round. Um, and the, and and the belief did, was that that was a Howie pick going off of Andy Waddle's uh, uh, board, correct? Is that uh, the consensus? Yeah, um, from, yeah I've, I've been told by people sort of on the inside that it was Howie. Um, that Howie somehow, I think, I think that Howie saw in him Tyreek Hill kinds of qualities. That he saw him as a, uh, yeah. I, I don't know, ga- gadget player isn't exactly the right term, but a guy who plays wide receiver, uh, but can also play in the slot, can play outside, can run jet sweeps, can run plays from the backfield, uh, return kicks, that somehow um, that Howie saw Tyreek Hill kinds of potential in Jalen Rager, which, I mean, well, he was he must have seen different games at TCU than I did. Because, uh, I mean, I, I again, I, I had him as a fourth rounder. So, to me, it was a mistake the moment they picked him. Um, you know, I, I was sort of a defender of Nelson Aguilar uh, right. early in his career when everybody wanted to run Aguilar out of town. And what I kept saying was, no, I've seen this guy play at Southern Cal. I know this guy's a good player. I know the talent is there. I think he's, you know, he's going through a bad stretch now, but I really do think this guy can play. He's, I, I think the ability is there. You just have to unlock it. I don't feel that way with Rager. I just don't think he's that good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I was saying last week that, if I had been the coaches, I wouldn't have even dressed him in Tampa. Right. I wouldn't have. Oh. I, I, would have de- I, would, I would have deactivated him. Um, and uh, I would have played Hundley, who actually I thought looked pretty good in the, in the, in the final game against Dallas. Um, and I would – I mean, it's a – you know, you hate to give up on a first-round pick, but, I mean, I don't, I don't see this getting any better. So I would let him go. But if you're asking me right now, Kev, uh, do I think he's going to be a training camp with them next year? Yeah, I think he will be. Can I ask one more question, Mike? And I'll I'll, I'll ask this before we get into the one a couple on the draft. How is John Gannon a hot interview head coach candidate? I mean, the the film's out there. You know, playing ten yards off the ball on third and five. <laughs> I I don't I, I don't. He's not a master communicator. We've seen that. Like it just feels like. With all the issues in this league of head coaches, why this guy is the hot commodity, I don't get. Well, he was last year, too. Um, when they were talking about in the last coaching cycle, um, I kept hearing his name. You know, keep your eye on his Jonathan Gannon. You know, he's, he's, you know he's, he's a hot coach. And, okay, I mean, I didn't know that much about him. But, I mean, he was being talked up last year at this time. And now yet again, um, you know, I guess it depends on how you quantify the numbers. Um, I mean, there's this stat out there that the Eagles allowed 18 or fewer points um, more times than any team in the, in the league this year. That there were X, X number of games where they allowed, they held their opponents to 18 or under. Uh, and I think that they were tied with, I forget who, who the other team was, Buffalo maybe, mm-hmm. uh, for doing that. So, and they were, you know, if you look statistically, you know, they were they were a top 10 defense. So if you, if you just look at that part of it, mm, you could say, well, okay, that's not bad. But anybody that watched them over the course of the season, um, I mean, you kind of know, you kind you, you, you kind of saw the truth of it. I mean, this is a team that also was not good on third down. They were not good in the red zone. They were only one team in the league had fewer sacks, and that was Atlanta. Um, and they were almost at the bottom in takeaways, forcing turnovers. I mean, and those are those are the stats that win games in today's NFL. You know, it's you got to be good in the red zone, you got to be good on third down, and you got to be able to take the ball away from the other team. Uh, and the Eagles weren't good in any of those areas. So, yeah, I mean, there's one side of, of the ledger that you look at the numbers and say they're pretty good. But to me, a lot of it was uh, very misleading. I mean, if you watched him week in and week out, I thought, I thought he was a very, very easy coach to play against. Uh, I thought he did a v- very poor job of disguise. You know, in, in a league where mm-hmm. so much of the game is all about quarterbacks and pre-snap reads, 
I mean, they're really good quarterbacks. They're really, really good ones. Um, but when they get to the line of scrimmage and they do a pre-snap read, they know where they're going with the ball before it even gets in their hands. Uh, and if your uh, if your if your if your defense is an easy defense to, to read and figure out, then you got very little chance. And I think it's it's really a game of disguise and change, uh, and finding ways to throw a defense off balance and break up the timing of the rhythm passing game. And I think that's one area where Jonathan Gannon is not very good. But you know, I, I don't know. I, I know there's some, there's a lot of talk about him being interviewed for these jobs. I think he's I think he's on like three or four teams' lists. I think it's five um, now. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it doesn't seem to me. It seems like most of these owners want to hire offensive coaches anyway. So I I I, I kind of think it's a long shot that he's going to get a job. But you never know. Um, but that's kind of, that's kind of it. A, a year ago, he was considered a hot guy. And um, if you just look at oh, top ten defense again this year, yeah, he must be a pretty good coach. I'd say look at the tape. <laughs> hey, Ray, Dave Murphy wrote a column yesterday or today. I said, don't be so quick to blame Gannon. Blame the personnel that he's been given. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made a fairly good case. I went, whatever. Do you buy much credence into that, that? That maybe if he had better players, maybe if some of their drafts had been better, whatever, that maybe he would have more to work with and he would have done things differently or – do we not know that until we see what he would have if he had better players? Oh no! I mean, better players will make any coach better. Sure. You know, if you if you have really good players, yeah, it's it's you know that'll help any coach. Um, I don't fully buy it because uh, look, I, I think the premise that he, he he you look at his personnel on defense, no, they're not very good. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm not in favor of trading all your draft picks for a 33 year old quarterback. I would take those draft picks and use them to draft. This is a draft that's this is a draft that's knee deep in really good defensive players, really good defensive players. Man, I would just be grabbing them all. <laughs> I'd be grabbing young defensive players everywhere at every level. Is Jerry uh, Robinson just, in this draft? And just, re, and just rebuilding this defense. Can uh, they take Jerry Robinson? Is he available? Uh, that, Jerry Robinson would be better than anybody they got right now. I'll tell you that much. Even even at fifty years old. Uh, <laughs> but um, no, I, I the idea that that. They've had bad drafts. They've drafted poor defensive players. They've drafted poorly over there. Um, it's true. Uh, I can't argue against that. But the fact of the matter is, I, I don't absolve Gannon. Um, okay. Because boy, because what you have to do is, okay, this is what I got. Well, I got to figure out the best way I can to work with it. Okay. You know. And when you look at it and you see that you're going to rush four, and and you're going to drop seven, and you're going to play a two deep zone when you know your front four can't get pressure on the quarterback and he's just going to stand there and pick you to pieces the way the good quarterbacks do, then, okay, if you're the defensive coach, you got to say, well, I can't do that. You know, I know that's what I want to do, but I can't do that. These guys are going to beat my brains out. So, all right, I'm going to have to tear this thing up and come up with a different way of attacking it. And that might not work either, but I got to try something other than what we're doing. Um, I got to work with what I got. Do I want to get better players next year? Sure. But this is what I got right now. I got to figure out the best way I can to try and win with these guys. It's one of the reasons why I give Sirianni some credit. I mean, at the start of this year, he had one offensive philosophy that wasn't working even a little bit, and he just finally said, "Oof, well, I got to change this." And that's when he 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 built everything around the offensive line. They started to run the ball and they started to win. He changed because he kind of knew that he had to change. Gannon, on the other hand, he just kept rolling the same defense out there week after week after week, and that's why what happened to Tampa Bay to me, to Tampa Bay to me was, was completely inevitable. Right. Well, now that we are kind of turning towards the draft, I, I had two kind of questions. One, do you see them using all three picks in a sense, or does Howie maybe grab one, try to trade back, maybe get a fir- an extra first round next year, depending on how the board feels. Cause if he is not completely sure on a quarterback, you know, trying to trade back for, for something. And you mentioned you're not in love with any of these quarterbacks coming out. Kenny Pickett's the one name that everybody seems to be a little bit in love with, and I, I'm not sure he falls beyond the Steelers at this point. There's a lot of connections there. But uh, are you are you in the are you in the uh, of the mindset that you don't go near Kenny Pickett right now? Um, he's, he's, I think he's the best of them uh, right now. I, he has my highest grade, but it's a, it's, it's a low first round grade. Uh, now I know, 
look, I know they're probably going to be four or five quarterbacks taken in the first round just because quarterbacks do. Mm-hmm. Just because teams are they're, they're and there are a lot of desperate teams. teams for quarterbacks at this. Yeah, point. and there are a lot of teams. There's a lot of desperation out there, and and quarterbacks get overdrafted all the time. And I think this this year is going to be an example of that. Uh, I have the only quarterback I have right now with a first round grade is Pickett, and it's a relatively low first round grade. The other guys corral the rest of them. How I mean, are second, third, fourth round guys to me. But you're probably at the, at the end of the day, and the kid from Liberty. Uh, but at the end of the day, you're going to wind up with four or five who taken in the first round just because the need is so great. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that how's Howie going to approach us? I, the one thing I think you can bet on pretty safely is that Howie's just not going to sit there and take those three picks where they are. I mean, he's – you know, he just – I mean, he's he loves to he loves to wheel, he loves to deal, he loves to move up and down the board. Um, and now that he's got the three picks, yeah, he's not just going to. I would be very surprised if he just sat in place and you know and just waited his turn and picked his guy and then the next guy and then the next guy. He's going to wheel and deal. I I think again, just guessing. This is what I haven't talked to Howie in years. Uh, but I, I, I could see him. He's got the two picks back to back, the Miami and the Indy pick that are back to back 15, 16, I think. Um, I, I see him packaging those picks to move up, just identifying a player somewhere in the top 10, uh, top eight, maybe, uh, and, and just say, okay, that's our guy. And, and, and packaging 15, 16 to jump up, to get that guy. And then you got the other pick coming up later, 19 or so. Uh, and then, okay, maybe, maybe that at that point, kind of what you suggested, which is other teams that have traded out of the first round now might be desperate to get back into the first round, so they'll be contacting the Eagles and saying, "Hey, well, you know, how about trading your pick? If you trade out of the first round, we get in there, and you can get you know, our, our two, our three, or whatever." And uh, and do that kind of a thing, but I don't see them. I don't see them staying in place and taking those three picks. I think they're. I'll bet they're going to trade up to get a higher pick and maybe use the last one to trade out and get more picks in the later rounds. And their position of biggest need is what? Pass rusher. Okay. Pass rusher. They need. They need to get some pressure on the quarterback. I mean, I, I hope they're not counting on. Well, we get Brandon Graham back next year. Well, that'll help. But I mean, he's thirty-four. Be 34 coming off a torn Achilles. So, um, yeah, I mean, getting him back will certainly help. But, no, they need – I'm sure they're not going to bring Barnett back. Um, and Josh Sweat, he played okay and seemed to come on in the second half of the year. But now I'm talking about going and getting a, a game wrecker, you know, a guy that you can, you can line up and he's just going to – he's going to change the game. You know, he's going to get some kind of a hit in the game. He's going to force a fumble. He's going to make a play. It's going to, he's going to play like Micah Parsons did, have that kind of impact. Um, and you can. I mean, you get the right defense. You get one defensive player like that, he can change everything. Uh, and that's the kind of guy they need. They need a real impact player on defense. Right. If, they have some, if, I mean, they have, some, they have some decent players on defense. Yeah. But what they need is they, 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 need, they need a game changer. They need, they need that kind of impact guy. Well, and the other, right. After, after the guy from Michigan and the guy from Oregon, because they're not going to be able to get those guys, is there a guy in that 8, 9, 10 range that you think they may, like, that you really like? That would that would be there. Well, I'll, I'll float a name out, but it's not a pass well, rusher. Well, I, I know Ray likes the guy from Michigan, but I don't know if he's worth the other guy from Michigan. But I don't know if he's worth the eighth or ninth pick. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, I, uh, Hutchinson is the other right. kid. The other kid is 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 not. He's a good player, but he's not Hutchinson. I, you know, Hutchinson to me is. Um, I mean, he's. I've, I've referred to him as, as, to me, he's like the third Watt brother. I mean, that's that's the way he plays. I, I think he's, um, I think he's going to be really, really good in the NFL. And the guy um, from Oregon too. The guy from Oregon's pretty good. Yeah, and he's got, um, I don't know, he's, yeah, he's got, he's got a lot of talent. But he's uh, took some games uh, he's, off. He's, he's, a, he's a little, he's he's a little inconsistent. Mm-hmm. For okay. Me. I mean, that's that's the Hutchinson is a guy that just, I mean, he's. He's just balling every week. It doesn't matter if they're playing Indiana or Ohio State. I mean, he's coming after it the same way. That's why I said it reminds me of, of the Watt brothers. I mean, he just has that – I mean, he just has that fire. He just has that motor. Um, and it's not something you can coach. 
and it has nothing to do with money. I mean, guys either have that or they don't, and that kid has it. Uh, so, I mean, he's – I really like him. But beyond him, if you're talking about defensive players that I really like, um, I really like the linebacker from Georgia, Dean. I think he's really good. Uh, I, I don't know how high he's going to go. I've heard people say they think he's going to be top six. I don't think so. I mean, teams generally aren't looking to draft linebackers that high. Uh, and he's not that big, you know, frankly. I, I, I see him listed at like six feet. Um, I, I think he's a little shorter than that. Um, not, that, that not that that worries me. I mean, Ray Lewis wasn't either. Uh, but, I mean, he just has um, a, an amazing instinct to play in defense. I mean, he's he, – he finds the football, uh, and he's uh, and he's the kind of guy that I think could be um, a guy that could really ignite, kind of jumpstart your defense. You got, uh, I mean, Devin White kind of did that in Tampa when he went down there. Levante Dave is a really good player, but when they paired him with White, I mean, that's when that defense took off. And uh, and Dean to me looks like he's got that kind of player in him. Um, he's he's a guy that if you ask me. Players I really, really like personally. Hutchinson to me is sort of here, but Dean, over watching him over the course of the year, it became pretty close. I mean, in the right in the right defensive system, I think he could be really good. One final guy to ask about: Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, uh, borderline top ten guy probably at this point. Uh, probably, probably. Uh, he's uh, he kind of grew on me. Uh, the first few times I saw him, he looked. He, he, he's sort of go, he's sort of yeah. like he's six he's six four for a safety uh, that's he, yeah he looks he, he doesn't you know my picture of a safety is kind of like Brian Dawkins size you know um Ed Reed um I mean this guy almost looks like a basketball player uh and I I think that that sort of threw me a little bit until I actually watched him play and uh yeah he's he's really good um top 10 Seems about right. I think probably somewhere right around 10 is where he'll go. Uh, and, you know, safety is an area, a whole secondary really is an area where the Eagles need to look. I mean, they've got three of the four starters are over 30 now. Uh, and McLeod's you know, a free agent, right? Yeah, I doubt that. I doubt that McLeod will be back. Um, Harris was, eh. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Epps is kind of just a journeyman. Um, I mean, they really. You know they need to they need to get younger in the secondary, and they definitely need to get younger at the safety position. So can Hamilton be in play? Could be. I mean, I think that he's uh, he's certainly going to be a high first round pick, no question about that. Ray Didinger, whose book "Finished Business" is out. I should, I, you know, you have so many things to plug. You know, between IP and NBC Philly and your time at the Daily News. Yes, Mike, I said Daily News. I didn't say Inquirer. Well, he uh, never worked at the. Inquirer. I understand, but it was still under the. Okay. There's now he worked the at the Bulletin, though. That's true. Don't forget to mention that I, the the Bulletin. Um, all right, final question. Um, were you surprised? Don't forget Tommy and me. Tommy and me. Yep, absolutely. That's right. That's right. Um, I think that's. I think that's going to be coming back this year. Stay awesome. tuned. I will Stay be tuned. Before, right, before we're, you we've got uh, we got right now five different theaters are all interested and have been in touch with us about bringing the play to their theaters. Um, Bucks County Playhouse. The one that really, the one that really excites me and I hope, I hope it happens. Nothing's been signed, but um, the, the Hershey theater in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Wow. Uh, that would make sense. A, which is a beautiful theater. I mean, yep. it's a 2000 seat Broadway worthy theater up in Hershey. Um, they, we met with them and they're very interested and bring in Tommy and me to Hershey, which would really warm my heart because that's where the story started. Yeah, you know, right. that, that's where I first met Tommy when the Eagles were training up in Hershey in 1957. So to bring that story back to Hershey to me would be a, a real coming home kind of feeling. I hope I hope that happens. All right, last question, Ray. Does Mike McCarthy survive this in Dallas? They um, both Jerry Jones and and his son Stephen, who's the vice president, have both said yes. So, um, should he, you know, they're, they, they make those decisions. So unless they're fibbing, uh, I guess he's going to be back. Uh, should he hard for me to hard for me to imagine? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I mean, that was, um, I've never, I've never thought Mike was a very good coach. Um, I mean, he had Aaron Rodgers all those years and won one Super Bowl. I mean, if you have Aaron Rodgers, 
I mean, and, and a good team besides. It wasn't just one guy. I mean, yeah. they had a good team with a great quarterback. Um, they should have won more than one Super Bowl, I think. And you see, I mean, the game, I mean, the, the, everybody will always remember the final play. How could you not? But, I mean, they had 14 penalties. I mean, they, they just looked so ill-prepared and so sloppy, and they got thoroughly outcoached in that game. Um, I mean, there's justification there for firing him, but it seems, you know, Jerry's pretty stubborn. And it looks to me, if he says that Mike's coming back, I'm thinking Mike's coming back. Colonel? Hey, Ray, I got one request. Yes. Can Kevin and I go with you and Glenn and your crew, Dave Breitmeyer, I guess is one, to Ralph's when you go to, we'll pay for ours. Yes. (laughs) But that's that's one of our favorite restaurants. And when I heard you were going there because you'd won your bet, I said, I got to beat. Is there any chance that you could make it a seven instead of a five? I have to run that by. Uh, I have to run that by Glenn. It's his night, so we'll have oh. to see. Because you know the veal parmesan hangs off the plate. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that, Mike. You, uh, I've Ralph. I, I love Ralph's, and I'm really, I'm really looking forward to that. That was a fun bet. That that was a fun bet. What was, what was the bet? The bet was well, you know how this works, Kevin. Yeah. It's always the stupid football stupid football bet. bet, right? Right, and so um, Glenn let me pick it this year, and I the bet was Aaron Sippus punts inside the twenty yard line. <laughs> well, there weren't any of them the last couple of weeks. <laughs> no, there were not. Um, it was um, I went. I did. I did my research as I always do, and I went back last year and I, I counted up all the um, punts inside the 20 stat for all 32 punters and divided it all and came up with the average. The average was 20. So I, I, that's, I couldn't be more fair than that. I told Glenn, here's, here it is. Last year was 20. I'll give you over under at 20 for Aaron Sippus punts inside the 20. And he took the 20 and over and uh, came up uh, three short. <laughs> Start, he started off great. Yeah. He had five in the first three games, and I thought, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose this bet by Halloween. Uh, and then uh, then things kind of slowed down. Hey, <laughs> things kind of slowed down a little bit. And at the end of the year, he was punting the ball terrible. I mean, I, I, I'm i not even sure they're going to even bother bringing him back next year. Ray, you can never lose the bet if you end up at Ralph's. That's it true. It doesn't matter who's That's playing. True. If you're at Ralph's, you won. <laughs> you're right about that. Ray, thank you very much. Uh, thanks for j- jumping on. And I, I think you get a couple weeks of downtime a little bit here. Uh, I hope mm-hmm. you do at least. Uh, mm-hmm. Enjoy the off season. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you. Well, Colonel, Colonel, be waiting outside Ralph's like the guy and <laughs> say anything. Oh, no, holding sure the boombox. I'm sure of that. <laughs> I'll have my I'll have my copious notes out. That's that's right. Ray hey, did it. Ahead, always, always, always fun hanging out with you guys. Thanks a lot, fellas. Thanks, Ray. Ray Danger joins us, and we'll be Give back. My best to your better half. I will. I'll do that immediately. And we'll be back Take on care, work guys. of the beat. See you later, Ray. Talk, back care, on work of the beat in a minute. Our thanks to Ray Dinninger for joining us. Uh, you really will hang out at Ralph's for for him, won't you? Or with him, won't you? I, I, if if they tell me that we're invited, uh, I will be there with bells on, man. That's. <laughs> But so will you. So, yeah. you know. Although, oh, you, I, I got to admit, I'm not as keen on the sitting in a restaurant part right now. <laughs> um, well, yeah. Well, that part, yeah. yeah. I mean, I understand that part. I was just talking about, you know. Oh, just I in got, general. And not because I, I worked with Ray and we were. Ray's one of my favorite people in the world. Right. Because there's nothing BS about Ray. You know, he's he, he's from another era. And and he's proud of it, and he doesn't go on the TV to be a, a uh, soundbite guy. Yeah. No, 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 no. That is not Ray. And I, I probably told this before, but when I was first at the Daily News, and I was a clerk, and Ray had just come over from the Bulletin because the Bulletin folded, um, or I think he came over actually a little bit before the Bulletin folded because he would have had to. And I was the guy who was responsible. Ray is notoriously slow. And he would get done writing at like 3 in the morning. But our deadlines at that time were really late. I was the guy who had to walk over across the hall and get – he would type one page Mm -hmm. on a computer, uh, on a a typewriter. I would get the page, take it to my computer, and type it into the system. And then he would come after the last page and stand over my shoulder and watch as I was typing it in. And it it, it was – he's he's a master. I mean, you know, but we had a lot of them at the Daily News. I mean, we did. We had so many – 
really, really, really great writers. Um, so, you know, Ray was obviously among them, but he, but just as a person, just, and I know that comes across, I'm sure it comes across to people when he's on WIP or when he's on post game live or whatever it might be, but my gosh, he Ray, is, Ray, uh, Ray is the best. Ray is absolutely. Is, and, and and that's tough company because yeah, I worked with Phil Jasner, uh, who, who's also, you know, way, 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 way up there. And I'm going to leave some names out. I'm sure if I start naming them all, um, you know, because we had so many great ones. I mean, it, it, you know, we just did. But Ray was um, the consummate gentleman. Is that is that a good way to That's put it? That's a good way to put it. Yep. Okay. All right. Let's f- flash forward through one or two topics here before we say goodbye. Um, the Sixers are two and a half back of the number one seed in the East. And yet. Yeah, how about that? And you, Yet the big conversation is what's going to happen before the February 10th deadline. Um, you're hearing more and more rumors. Detroit's gotten brought, uh, Detroit got brought up. There was a rumor that Sacramento would take both Simmons and Tobias Harris off the Sixers. Um, are we heading towards this finally getting rectified here in the next couple of weeks? I think it all depends what uh, Daryl Morey thinks. You know, it's like trying to project the Eagles quarterback question. Well, what does Howie think? What does Jeff think? We, we don't know. We're not sitting in there. I'm not in, in his brain. Uh, they can say jail. You know, if somebody comes to them tomorrow with an offer that they like, I think they're going to look into it or pursue it. So Daryl Morey, and when you go on the record, you're Daryl Morey, you go on the record saying we're getting a stud back. Okay, well, it's kind of hard if you make a trade that doesn't involve a stud yeah. to then explain why you did it. Uh so, you know, I think he's kind of painted himself into a little bit of a corner too, but that's okay. I mean, that's, it's a game now. It's, it's just, a, I personally think getting rid of Tobias Harris is not a bad move. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't say that with any, I like Tobias Harris. I, I think he's a, a, a nice guy when you see, I mean, he seems like he's, you know, a good guy to have on your team. He's just not a $35 million guy. Yeah. That's not his fault. Um, but, yeah, I think, but then you look at the Sixers and you say, well, if they do things, I mean, you know, there's there's probably four people. It's Harden, Bradley Beal, Dame Lillard, and I'm leaving one out. There, there was four, there's another guy that I think would kind of satisfy. And I still think Daryl Morey probably is looking really hard at, at um, Harden. In the offseason, because he can become a free agent, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah, and because they had a good relationship, I think, for a while, you know, in Houston. And um, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Um, It's kind of like the Russell Wilson conversation. I agree with Ray. Yeah, Russell Wilson's 33 years old and and really hasn't been Russell Wilson. Now, would a change of scenery, you know, and a really good offensive line in front of him make him better? I- yeah, but you don't even know what that offensive line is going to be because you don't know about Kelsey yeah. coming back and you don't know about yeah. Brooks. All I know is Deshaun Watson played on a team last year where he threw for like a lot of yards and they won four games. Russell Wilson, uh, he was hurt this year with his hand. But, well, he, I mean, he was if, hurt if this year pair- or he was out because of the, the case. Right. If you, no, no, no. I'm talking about Wilson. Oh, oh Wilson. Wilson had a hurt. He had an injury. Okay, I get all that. If, if, James Harden was paired with uh, Joel. Embiid. Do you think, let's say for next year, I'm not going to say this year because I don't think it would happen. It'd probably have to be an off-season thing uh, unless you get the Nets to want Ben Simmons, which I haven't heard that rumor in a while, but, you know, the rumor was kind of Ben Simmons. No, they're not trading but, with Brooklyn right now. They won't trade with Brooklyn. Right, but, but, but I think if Brooklyn said, we'll give you James Harden, I think they would. Because at that point, I yeah, don't think. Yeah, but uh, but that's not going to happen. If honestly, if Brooklyn's going to give you anybody, it's going to be Kyrie. Yeah, I don't want Kyrie. And I don't want Kyrie. But next year, and and again, we're throwing this year out the window, which it seems kind of stupid. But do you think James Harden and Embiid, if you had a team around them, like could could make a championship push? Uh, they could, sure. I don't think. It's, I mean, Harden, Harden has Harden's been to one conference final, I think. But you're gonna have to move. You're gonna have to move Simmons. In that case, then you you have to move Simmons to clear the space out. Well, I'm assuming that Simmons would be gone, Kevin. I'm right. I'm assuming. No, no, I un, I understand. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. 
you mentioned and I'll tell you, 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 you kind of mentioned this uh, you, you, you like you know about writing this year off you don't you're not going to have that many years of him be like this that is correct and but it, but that is correct and, but they're, and, they're and if, of, if they're hellbent on if they're hellbent on we're just going to throw this away to prove a point and I was and I was Mr go prove a point back in September the circumstances have changed now you got to go make a well, trade. Sure, circumstances change because you're a fan and you don't want to see. And the fact that, like, they might say to you, "Hey, we're only two and a half games out from first place." Like, if Danny Green's not hurt and you know Thibel's not hurt, and you know we could make a run at this. I mean, I don't think they're better than the Bucks. I don't think they're better than the Nets. If the Nets are whole, they're not the better Nets than the Heat. Whole. Durant's going to be out for four weeks. They're not better than the Heat um, if the Heat are whole. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't have the answers to those questions. I do know one thing, that all the people, and we all know what Ben Simmons doesn't do, mm-hmm. okay? We saw it. In a, but they're a bad defensive team right now. Yeah, they are. Well, when they and losing without Simmons, th- Thibault has hurt, too. I, I haven't thought that, When they had Ben Simmons, they weren't such a bad defensive team. Yeah. Um, you know. To the other end of that building, uh, I watched the flop. No, I don't even want to go. I, they I, lost. They had a ten-game losing streak, right? Yeah. Now they, now have, they a nine. have a nine-game losing streak. How the hell? And I know they've had COVID issues. I, I I get all that. And other teams have issues also. How can you have a ten-game losing streak and a nine-game losing streak within like a month and a half of each other? That's impossible, Kevin. It is. It's a, and it's just as impossible to take nine shots in a shootout. And not score once. Eight, eight, eight shots, no scores. Was it eight? It okay, eight. I thought it was nine. I'm sorry. Uh, eight shots, no scores. And, and and that coaching change that they thought maybe because as they got Jason a little, they us, got an immediate bump, and then that was it. Right. And Jason told us, and Jason's smart about hockey. And he mm-hmm. says, "Hey, teams do it because it works." Okay, I'm I'm on board. And I did for a week. Might, yeah, I mean, it, it's just their franchise, and I I think, and I don't know where you go with this. Because I think it's an organizational thing. I really do. I think they still think of themselves as being like one of those franchises. And I think I heard somebody say this. Today. I don't know where I heard it. Um, I, so I apologize. Holmgren's still around. Clark's kind of still like we, we saw with Bobby Clark, you know, last week saying yeah, about Hextall. Hextall. They have they got to get rid of all those guys. Like just cut it off and say. And I don't mean that those guys still have influence on what's being done on a day-to-day basis, but it's just that mentality that we're the Flyers and we're never letting go of 40 years ago, you know? And that can be a good thing. Well, I, 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 tradition, that can be a good thing, but my God, Mike, I w- this franchise I, stinks. I would say, here's the balance. Don't, you don't have to throw 1975-style stuff in our face every day. And, and they don't. I don't think they do. No, no. But, I mean, there has to be a happy medium between, like, Dave alienate their fan base. Sam Carcidi, our, our, our buddy, uh, did a Twitter thing yesterday where he's trying to gauge reaction because there's a big anti-flyer f- f- throwback, if you will. Yep. Yeah. And it's not just because of what's going on on the ice that mm-hmm. there's a f- disconnect between the ownership group of Comcast, of Dave Scott and, and, and Valerie Camillo and all that group and the fans, and obviously, you know, some people bring the Kate Smith statue into it. Some people bring the mascot. Ultimately, it's you lose. And that's the main problem. And that's what I think they have to many- go outside the organization to find somebody to change the organization. Well, they did. They went to Elaine Vigneault. That was the move three I, years ago. No, I'm talking, coach- I'm talking like on style wise. They have know, to change their I, I whole style. I know, Kevin, but what I'm saying is they went out, they got Vigneault, who had been to two Stanley Cup finals, and he got them. They won a playoff round his first year. Then you had the COVID hit, so we don't you know, we don't know how much that – what I'm saying is when you think of the Flyers, mm-hmm. whenever things aren't going right or things – what is the first thing people say? Well, they got to get tough. They got to muck it up again. No. If, if they all go back to that old no, time – You got to okay, get skilled. You got to have talent. You got you look at all these uh-huh. teams that are good. They have three or four guys who scare you because they can score thirty five or forty goals. Shit, the Flyers don't have those guys. Shit, there's a team in Edmonton that has three guys who could do that, and they're not really that good. You know, but but, but when you know, when you see like the we talk about the Eagles, you know, when they get up against the better teams, why they couldn't hang with those teams right now at the moment? Okay, 
But the Flyers, they just always seem like they're the muckers yeah. and the grinders, even when they're not. Even when they're not. I'm not saying that they play that way, but it's just, um, you know, they'll play Boston, and Boston have three guys who, who torch them because they can score goals. And the Flyers just never have been that organization. And they've wasted a decade of Claude Giroux, mm-hmm. who might be a Hall of Famer, probably is. And who probably, probably won't be the, and probably won't be here past March. Yeah. Yeah, and he's probably one of the better Flyers. I mean, I'm not going to put him up there with the, the Clarks of the world and the Barbers of the world and the Lindroses. Mm-hmm. But, my God, he's a pretty darn good player. And nothing to show for it. No. In a decade. A decade. Um, it, it's disheartening. And I, like I said, I'm not the biggest hockey expert in the world. I, I think I know. But, when you know, I would love to have Jason back on at some point. Yeah, we'll get him on during the break. Yeah, and, and just to get his thoughts of, you know, where, where do you go? Like, if you're them, what, what, do you, what do you do? And then, you know, when Clark comes out last week and blasts Hextall, and, and I'm not saying what Clark he said was wrong. Yeah. I, 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 you know, I'm not trying to get into that thing. Like, you know, they didn't like, you know, they didn't think they should draft Nolan Patrick, and they, whatever. But we get back to all these teams, Kevin, in our, in our, in our uh, uh, the four major teams, right? Mm-hmm. What screws them more than anything is the their draft thing. Yep. The Eagles, you've been on this for years. The Eagles, they, and yes, did they hit a, you're not going to miss them all, but you're not going to hit them all. That Justin Jefferson, and that's only one of a few, but that one is just ludicrous. Clintac. Four center fielders that can't play, right? Um, the Sixers missing on like three of those guys during the process. Four of those guys, you know, they hit on Embiid, they hit on Simmons, and the other ones, you know, no. Uh, and and what and the Flyers, yeah, you know, all these guys that we get, they 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 have nothing coming up. There's not enough of these players coming up. You know, we thought Provorov was going to be a star, and yeah, maybe you know, um, you hope the goalie is a stud, but it almost like it doesn't matter. All right. So that does it for us for this week. Um, the next couple of weeks, Mike, you know, we have some good guests coming up. We have Dana O'Neill coming up, uh, who will talk about her new book with the big East. We'll talk Villanova basketball as, uh, the Wildcats are playing much better these days. And playing defense, playing defense. Um, they're the best team in the big East, but they always are. Yes. Uh, Ruben Amaro Jr. will come on in the next few weeks, and we'll talk a little bit more about uh, spring training or or a season or a lockout or whatever. And uh, a couple more guests lined up as we uh, move into kind of the dead portion of the schedule. Yeah, you know, now with the Eagles over, it feels like uh, it feels like we've hit that dead portion of the schedule. You know, well, get the Sixers. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you yes. don't you don't have the Flyers, but you'll, you have the Sixers. You'll have the Winter Olympics coming up. I could care less, Kevin. I figured. I, I'm just being honest. With I you. understand. I, I'm the, I was never a big Winter Olympics guy, anyway. Yep. But that it, you know, the fact that it's in China, the fact that there's a pandemic going on, the fact that I think half of it I'm going to have to be on streaming or something, right? Yep. Or well, if it's on streaming, you know that I'm out. So. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Thank you, Michael. Okay, babe, take care. Our thanks to Ray Didinger for joining us, and our thanks to you for joining us. Another fun, fun episode. We'll see you next week. This has been Morgan to Beat. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine pop.